Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, it's Stephen Diener. Thanks for checking this out today and starting something a little new because I realized that I put out a lot of content. I've just continuously put things out over the past couple of years, and I kind of thought to myself, you know what? Maybe I'll start doing a little bit of, you know, UAP greatest hits, so to speak, to allow you to catch up if you're new to the show. This way you can catch up on some of the older episodes maybe you haven't heard, or if you have heard it, maybe you'd like to hear it again. But either way, I thought it might be a good idea to kind of start putting some of the older things out there to kind of reintroduce or introduce to anyone who hasn't heard it. So I figured if I'm going to do that, why not start? Right at the beginning. And this is still to this day one of my most favorite and fascinating subjects. And that is the story of Rendlesham Forest. And you'll hear all about it here. You'll also hear Karen Curtis, my former co-host. Of course, Karen was great. We all love Karen. So you'll hear her in some of the UAP greatest hits as well. Not only this one, but I'm sure in more of these that I do in the future. So I will let you go ahead now and enjoy... UAP Greatest Hits, Episode 1, this very first episode of UAP that debuted back on July 2nd of 2021. Enjoy. Yes, welcome into the newest podcast here, UAP, Unidentified Alien Podcast. Stephen Diener, Karen Curtis over there. Hello. We're going to talk about aliens because that's what... Diener knows a lot about and UAP you're like what is that uh it's actually what the government's new term instead of UFO yeah UFO I guess is I don't know maybe they don't want to use that because they associate it with like something silly doodles yeah I guess so the government came up with UAP instead which is unidentified aerial phenomenon but we decided to make our own little thing of unidentified alien podcast and that's what we're going to do here we talk about everything when it comes to well, aliens, we're going to tell you about all the stories you may or may not have heard before. We present you with the story, and you make up your mind. We're not That's saying right. if it's real or Here's not. Here's the evidence, right. and the government is unloading a ton of evidence. It's landing on everyone's desk as we speak, so it's exciting. It's a very exciting time yes. and a poignant topic. Yes, there's a lot, and I can't wait to get into it. So you might know us from the South Florida Morning Show with Jennifer Ross and Bill Adams, but we decided to branch off and do our own thing here <laughs> to go into our own little uh, our own little niche when it comes to, well, aliens and UFOs and that, that, that world, because right now, Karen, that's really a hot-button issue. In the news, I mean, you see it, it's mainstream, it's in the Today Show, it's everywhere now, especially with the UFO report coming out. So our From thing the government. Here, from the government. So our thing here that we've started today, very first one, is we will be going over all of the cases that you're not hearing about on the news, that have never been explained, that don't have answers to them. We're going to present it to you, and you make up your own mind. We're yeah. not here to tell you, oh my gosh, this is real. We're here to tell you what's, what's the story, what the witnesses were saying, and, well, you, I mean, you can make up your mind from there. Because you're like a UFO alien savant. I mean, I guess that's one way to describe me. You, I'll take it. You ha- you've been <laughs> following and studying this topic. You know everything there is to know about this. And I wanted to pick your brain yeah. and have you 
kind of tell the listeners what's going on because you know so much. I mean, it's if for one reason or another, it's just one of those things that kind of became like a side hobby for me. Because if you ever, <laughs> if you ever heard me do anything else here, like on the morning show or on Fox Sports 640, you hear me do sports, you hear me talk about all different you know types of things in pop culture. But for whatever reason, the, the, the alien subject and UFOs has always fascinated me because there's just so much unknown to it. There you don't is. have the answers. Have you ever seen a gray? Uh, not that I know of. You think that they're walking <laughs> around among us? I was going to say, maybe in disguise. There might be some people in politics or Hollywood uh, that we can say are greys in disguise. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's just, you know, one of those crazy unknown things. And Well, we're here to explore it all. Because, Karen, when you say that I'm like the alien savant, when I tell you how many stories I've come across and have written down... In like my own personal notebook. I know, I saw it. It's kind of. I, I showed. It's extensive. It is, and it's and it's a little creepy, honestly. I mean, who does that? Who writes you down do. notes well, about you, aliens? You can remember. You've got like an eidetic memory, and you can remember dates and times and days from way back when. Oh, that happened on a Tuesday, yeah. December eighteenth, nineteen seventy-five. It's, it's like, what? That, that does happen. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but what's happening is so interesting because the highly anticipated government report on UFOs just landed. Yeah. So this is huge, and that's you know we'll we'll get into this first because that came out. Uh, oh, you know, pretty much over the weekend, um, in the last weekend of June here, and it's it's really, it's what UFO enthusiasts like myself, who kind of take this as a side hobby and find it interesting and want to figure things out and want to know the answers, it's something that we've been waiting to see in the aspect of acknowledgement. It's been coming to a head, and they had yes. to do something about it, because you have all of these people in the military saying, there's like 144 instances that they looked at. There's still mm -hmm. 143 that remain unidentified, but this guy, Luis Elizondo. Yeah, my buddy here. I got more to say about him, too. After oh, okay. We, uh, He's one of the biggest names linked to the Pentagon's yeah. Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. So, yeah, here's here's what he had to say. He was He was pretty happy about it. Well, this is certainly a historic moment for us, for our country, and I think uh, for our military and our intelligence community. The, the government has formally and officially come out and informed Congress that these things are, A, they're real, and two, that they're not ours. <laughs> that's the main thing, and that's that's really what you know people like myself are celebrating. If nothing else, if even if they didn't come out to say, okay, yes, they are, which, which, I mean, they have said, yes, they're real, and we don't know what they are, but... What we were hoping for was that they were going to say, okay, yes, they're real, and here's what they are, because they no we idea. do know. But they do the weirdest things in the sky. They defy all of our physics, just like grits on the stove of That's right. my cousin Vinny. That's right, They yes. defy all the laws of physics <laughs> and time and rate and yeah. speed, and Einstein is like, what the heck? They they can do things that we don't have the capability of doing, or at least so we're told. I mean, that's maybe we'll keep that maybe for a different episode. Maybe they're trying to teach us something. Maybe. I mean, look, there's there's so much that we're going to get into here throughout this series. I mean, we can go back, and we will. But when it comes to this, Lou Elizondo is a guy that used to work for, like you said, the organization. What was the name of the organization? Oh, it's and I don't even know what the acronym means, <laughs> but it's... I think it's ATIP? The Pentagon, oh, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Yes. ATIP. That's right. Yep. And he was... Uh, the guy who used to head this program, and the actually this this program is so secret that the government didn't even um, <laughs> acknowledge its existence right. until after Lou Elizondo left 
in frustration because they wouldn't let him get to the bottom of these things. Huh. He's like, guys, this is my job. Right. You literally made me the head of this organization. You're setting me up to fail. And you're not letting me figure things out. So he just, he got frustrated and left. And eventually they had to acknowledge that it did exist because he's like, yeah, I was the head of ATIP. Well, they wasn't, who gave the documentation to the media? So there was a show on, and I believe it was the History Channel, with Lou Elizondo, um, another guy, Chris Vermellon, who if you're into these things, if, number one, that's why you're listening, so you're going to know who Chris Vermellon is. He teamed up with Lou Elizondo and Tom DeLong, who was the front man for Blink-182, the old, you know, the punk rock band from the late 90s, early right. 2000s. It all stemmed from Tom DeLong. He got in touch with John Podesta, you know, the Hillary Clinton associate there. Back in 2015, and he's like, you know, I'm trying to figure these things out. Do you, do you have any information? And it snowballed from there. So Tom DeLonge got in touch with Lou Elizondo, who got in touch with Christopher Mellon, who got in touch with all these other people who used to work for all these secret organizations, and they became a team. And because he had so much clout and, and such a great reputation with people in the military, Lou Elizondo, that is, he was able to get all of this access to former military men, former Air Force guys, and things like that, to talk about now that clip that we always see on the news of the UFO from the yes. USS Nimitz, you know, off the coast of San Diego. That was because of Lou Elizondo. He talked to those guys and got that clip out to the public. And he's the one who got in front of Congress on, on the Capitol Hill and was able to say, look, we need to take this seriously. And now here we are today. Well, uh, this UFO report that just landed. Yes. Uh, it only goes back to 2004. I'm glad you said that. So yeah. it's UFOs between 2004 and 2021. But you say poppycock because That's right. <laughs> some of the real good stuff happened, like what, in the 80s? I mean, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s. And one of the, I think this is my, I wanted to, I hate to use the word favorite because it sounds like a fanboy. But it is my favorite story because it's so intriguing and there's so much mystery to it. And it goes back to 1980, Rendlesham Forest out in England. There's documentation. There's audio. There's yes. evidence. This is like unbelievable. And it it happens in a forest. But before right. we get into that, you were saying something about the zeros and ones. Yeah. So what ends up happening is, and, and we, we actually had the audio from uh, John Burroughs, Jim Pennington, who were the two uh, U.S. airmen, I believe. Because Well, there no, there were British. Oh, maybe they were U.S. There's two bases. They were stationed over there. It happened in two right. bases. Uh, Bentwater right. and uh, what's the other one? And that was in, also in uh, Rendlesham. Yeah, Rendlesham. Right, where they where they had the base where Pennington and Burroughs were were stationed in England. Right, it was around Christmas time. Um, it was the day after Christmas, actually, nineteen eighty. And what happens is they they were out in the forest and they were seeing these strange lights. So you know that's their job, go investigate it. Yeah, it's three a.m. They're like, what the middle of the night? What is this? And they go take a look, they investigate it, and they see a craft sitting there. And and I can't remember if it was Pennington or Burroughs who touched the craft. But at that moment when they touched it, they pretty much fainted. They had lost time. Lost time. And they, you know, they had no recollection of what happened. But when he woke up, he had all these numbers in his head, these zeros <sighs> and these ones, and couldn't understand why. Remember, this is 1980. Okay? No computers. Right. Well, they had, yeah, mainframes, but... Not like we know them today. No. So he didn't know what they were. I mean, you know, when you're in the military in 1980, you weren't learning matrix code, okay? That, that's the point we're trying to make here. So he eventually one day Binary just, numbers. Yes, exactly. He's like, all right, let me let me write all this down. Really? Just to get it out of my head. Because no. I can't get this out of my head. I got to write it down. So that's what he did. All these zeros and ones. Like you said, binary code. 
And eventually, as time went on and the story became famous, you had people looking into his notebook where he wrote down all these zeros and ones and translated into a message. And I, I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head, but eventually, essentially it's translated into, and I'm, I'm summarizing here, uh, exploring for all mankind. It was, it was something along those lines. I kid you not. And Space, it also, the final frontier. Yeah, pretty much. And it also gave coordinates. And people were like, well, what are these coordinates pointing to? This was all in the binary code really? that was in his head from 1980 after touching the craft. And the coordinates were pointing to a, a, a what, I guess you could say, historians theorize that a legendary island, kind of like Atlantis, there was a place called High Brazil. And it actually pointed to the part in the, I want to say, North Atlantic Ocean where they believe this mythical legendary island of High Brazil once existed. So the coordinates and a message talking about planetary travel for mankind were within the binary code that Pennington and or Burroughs wrote down in 1980 after he touched the craft. And this is this is according to them. So again, I'm not. We're not here to tell you that the point of this podcast, Fifty Shades of Grey's, is not to tell you this happened. Believe it. Right. No. It's to tell you this is what they're saying. Here's the story. Make up your mind. And that's that's what they say. That's what the two men. That's the story they tell. Yeah. In fact, uh, it's the most infamous UFO incident. Again, it was the day after Christmas, 1980, at the RAF Woodbridge, where American Air Force personnel encountered unique markings and unusual radiological readings whilst very British, yes. investigating reports of strange lights. So they thought they saw these lights and they thought it might have been a downed aircraft. Right, exactly. So that's why that's their job is to investigate. Yeah, and, the, and it was near Bentwater. And Bentwater, if you play this sound, mm-hmm. she'll, they'll explain why that's interesting. Cold War was still going full force. There was a lot of tension, actually, in Eastern Europe at the time. The base at RAF Bentwaters, where this occurred, is widely understood to have nuclear ordnance. Still unofficial to this day. They won't admit it. That's right. But we all know they've had it. And that's always a secret is, you know, the these bases that have all the nuclear codes or nuclear warheads, it always seems to go back to UFOs, being there, hovering there, landing there, even going back to the USS Nimitz, where we see that video of the UFO, the one right. that we always see in the news now. Is that, that was, a nuclear it powered? It is. It is. Uh. So that's, it always goes back to something having to do with nuclear capability. So why are they interested in that? We don't know. Wow. And these guys that were, went to investigate, they were just young because John Burroughs was 19 and Pennington, his buddy, was how old? Uh, they were they were you know early twenties. Well, John Burroughs has survived, and um, they get into this field where the the light is, mm-hmm. and they ruled out a conventional crash. Well, if you'd like, I can play what John Burroughs. Yeah, here's say. John. Yeah. Based on the assessment from radar and what we were reporting, felt that we should respond off base as far as we can get in, into that area. We went into the forest itself, you know, into the tree line to try to get close to whatever it was. Yeah. And then some weird <laughs> crap happened. They had, like, radios, right? Those mm-hmm. there were static, and they lost time, and right. there's all kinds of weird stuff. And they, they well, they, they actually described it here because they talked about, like, hieroglyphics and things like that in the craft, <gasps> and they, well, here's, here's what they had to say about it. He's described it many times as kind of a pyramid triangle shape. Peniston later, he said he walked around it, and he said this took place over a 45-minute period. And then what I remember was it went up in the air and then left. 
But then it gets really weird. Yes. So, but but that <laughs> sighting that so he touched it before it took off. Correct. Correct. And, and got that's, the and got the binary the binary code. In his code head. That's where the lost time came in. So it's it's so fascinating because what even made this more fascinating? Again, we bring this story up because we we want to hey. try to cover one big thing on each episode. And this really ties into the UFO report that came out that only goes to 2004. So they're not talking about no. stuff like this. No. You know what I mean? And so this is, again, they should be talking about stuff like this because a lot of it is still very classified. A lot of documents are missing. Oh, really? Oh. From this case when it comes to the Royal Air Force and things like that over there in, in Britain. But Well, there's actually audio from it because 24 hours later... Mm -hmm. uh, this is, again, the most infamous UFO event in British history. This Lieutenant Commander yes. Charles Holt. Yes, good Charles Lef Holt. Lieutenant Commander Charles Holt <laughs> heads out to the site where these two others saw the craft, and he took a handheld recorder to document right. everything. And uh, yeah. here's part of his tape. It's the only real evidence. That's right. Okay, we're now approaching what looks like a blasted or scrubbed up area here. There's a round abrasion on the tree about uh, three and a half, four inches in diameter. Three and a half feet off the ground. There's one of these trees that face into the blacks, what we assume is a landing site, all out of the bridge and facing in the same direction towards the center. So, yeah, the trees are damaged. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have they had a Geiger counter and it was going haywire. That's because, right. You know, with the crop circles as well, they get a lot of radioactivity. That's right, and I think he actually talks about that here. The radiation. We got a high radioactive or high uh, radiation. What's up? We what are getting an indication of a heat source coming out of that center spot. Looks like food or some form of energy. And that was you a real recording. Yeah, you won't be able to have children anymore, but yeah, that's okay. Much. That's right. And that's what I, one of the things that I find so fascinating about this case is that it was reported, right? Again, this is 1980, so they reported to their superiors, who happened to be, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Colt, and Charles Holt, I'm sorry, and he goes out and he investigates. He's like, well, you know what? You two goons, I'm going to take my recorder and I'm going to show you there's nothing out there. And he got documented everything and obviously he realized wow there's really something strange going on here but i ha i have to throw a hanger or a monkey wrench into that because sure. when i worked in television we would take our camera to do interviews near a radio tower because i worked we did hospital interviews and okay. the hospital's right next to a radio tower and it would interfere with our recording interesting and we'd have to put aluminum foil on our cables oh okay. so how's he that. able how's he able to have his recorder work in all this, it's military. It's oh, military it's military yes, grade, that's right. Right. Yes, that's right? So okay. they have they have all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so they have this taped evidence, right? It's just like some. Little, that's what it is. Yes. Uh, uh, but then it, he he actually, I mean, it, it didn't end there. No, they yeah. then they so they this craft before took off, so they go back to the site, right? And then all of a sudden, there's another there's UFO another one, and Holt saw it and like <laughs> light coming down. He got it on recording. Oh, there it is. Hey, I see it too. What is it? I mean, it it sounds like it sounds fake because of the music and things like that. It's, it's yeah. suspenseful. Obviously, the music wasn't happening or, in real time. I think time that was, that was thank added. you, Ancient Aliens. We like ripped that off from you. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it looked like it was doing a grid search. Yes, it was like darting around the that's sky, right. and and I've and I've seen different reports about grid searches, like you said, Karen. That's a really good way to put it. Um, 
there's theories that because it almost that almost sounds like you know Orson Welles type thing you know yeah War of the Worlds but they, that's they really was opening a, a jar in a toilet. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'll the be sound. the first to tell you it sounds a little wonky, but that was really his recording, and that's you know has, has lived now for over forty years. But when you talk about the grid searches. Even now, with Lou Elizondo, who we heard at the beginning of the show, and he has been instrumental in getting these reports out to get Congress to do an actual investigation into these things. In one of his investigations on the History Channel, they were watching a UFO up in the somewhere in the Great Plains area. I forget where it was. Maybe Wyoming in that area. And the guy that he was talking to, again, former military guy who lives out there, and he's like, you know, I watched this thing. And it just flies back and forth. Yeah. And it's almost like, again, this is just a theory, but it's almost like they're they're mapping. It's it's uh. almost like maybe mapping underground. Maybe they're doing, you know, they're they're doing some type of X-ray technology underground, or they're getting topography of the Earth. I mean, I don't know why forty years apart from nineteen eighty to twenty twenty, when that episode aired last year with with Lou Elizondo, you st- you hear identical descriptions and reports of what looks like they're flying back and forth and making graphs of the ground and like they're mapping it with the light it's very odd well they explained the light uh peter (laughs) steven uh they explained the light steven uh and they said it was a light from a lighthouse unbelievable yeah these are the most incredible witnesses that you could have and there are a lot of great details coming out of rendlesham but I believe the official explanation was it was the lighthouse. Like these spectacular trained men who know the difference between different types of aircraft and tanks and ammunition, highly trained people don't know what a lighthouse light would look like and would confuse that with craft on the ground. There's no doubt about it. This is weird. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you heard it there. I mean, it, she makes the best point is that h- how are they not going to know? I mean, honestly, they're they're trained. They're literally trained to identify what they're seeing. I went to the Jupiter Lighthouse, and it was weird, dude. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> Karen it, saw UFO at the Jupiter I Lighthouse, did. and uh, it was the lighthouse. But she did go... They went on to say whatever it was seemed to be under intelligent control. Absolutely, and that's what we hear in these UFO reports as well that just came out with Lou Elizondo and from Congress. So, again, Congress says, as, as we wrap up here, Congress says... We don't know what it is, but we know it's not ours, and these UFOs are real, and it could be you know, adversaries or it could be outer space. We don't know. That's well, their explanation. Let me ask you, Mr. UFO enthusiast, yes. why are some of them triangular shaped and some of them are shaped like cigars? I think it just, I don't know the exact answer. Again, this is just a theory. My own theory is, because you know, you have the I knew classic, you'd have one. Of course. You have the classic saucer shape. You have the kind of like one that they look like a top, and that's the one you see in this video from 2014 off the uh, USS Nimitz. You have the cigar-shaped ones, that those oblongs, and then you have the triangles. To me, I think it might just be different species. Oh, I mean, that's my theory. Different solar systems, different universes. Yeah, just, just my theory, or maybe it's you know the same species, but they're using different crafts depending on the distance that they're traveling. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just, just Those are just my personal theories, but... It's it's those are all questions. I mean, those are all questions that we so want answers cool. to. So next week, yes. What are you? You have another really interesting little tidbit to. This is uh, another one of my part on ones. our listeners. Yeah, this goes back to the 1960s at Malmstrom Air Force Base up in Wyoming, 1967 actually, 
And it goes all the way back there again to, I'm sorry, Montana. I said Wyoming, Montana. And it goes back to that time period where, again, this UFO report only goes back to 20 to 2004. So they don't include something from, from 1967. Right, and in right. this one, you're going to hear about how basically we almost had nuclear war in 1967. <gasps> no. Because of UFOs that were hovering over this Air Force base and all the bells and whistles are going off. The countdown started. No. It's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable story. So we're it's getting like the guy in Hawaii week. that forgot the passcode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except this time it was it was aliens. And thankfully, they didn't have iPhone alerts in 1967. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna love this one. I, I think everybody's gonna love it because it's well. I mean, thankfully it didn't happen. But this this is a crazy story. So looking forward to talking about that next time on UAP. The Unidentified Alien Podcast. Karen Curtis. That wraps it up for now. Yeah, we're done. Steve and Dean are over here. Again, you can catch us on the South Florida Morning Show with Jen and Bill every Monday through Friday. And you can also catch us right here next time on the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Talk to you then.